morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you back into our study and into our series entitled The Gifts of Easter. And uh, the, the challenge and the desire is that our hearts, I was, try that again. I thought I sounded kind of weird. Did I sound weird? I always sound, who said I always sound weird? <laughs> Everybody's pointing to somebody else. All right, let's try that again. We, we do record these uh, for our podcast, so I'll just start right again. Welcome, everybody. Is that, is that all right? Okay, here, so you know what's coming, but you, you're ready for it. All right. Well, good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We're excited that you're here, and uh, we're jumping back into our study in our series entitled The Gifts of Easter. So the, the heart and the prayer behind it is that your hearts are prepared and you're kind of studying and ready and, and challenged and growing uh, along this journey as we lead up to Easter. Uh, definitely a powerful time of year as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who He is and, and uh, what He has done uh, for our lives. And uh, so last week, we are looking at the gifts and, and the challenge was uh, Christmas is when we, we typically think about gifts and uh, with Easter, what we've seen is that God has given us this greatest gift of salvation. It's through His Son, Jesus Christ, through that sacrifice on the cross. And as a result, we're like uh, taking a look at some of these different items and components of the crucifixion and resurrection story. So last week, we were taking a look at the crown of thorns. And as we took a look at that, we saw that it was placed upon and beat upon uh, the head of Jesus Christ. And we saw that... It was Jesus' humanity that was displayed. Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man. What we saw as well, it reminded us about our sinfulness. And we kind of journeyed throughout Scripture and looked at uh, some of the different Scriptures that talked about thorns and, and how that related back to our sinfulness. But we didn't just look in the past or present. We looked to the future, and we saw the majesty of Jesus Christ. We read from Revelation how King of kings and Lord of lords, he, he would be crowned with many crowns. So that was last week, taking a look at the crown of thorns, uh, one of the gifts of Easter. This morning, we're going to take a look at another gift of Easter. We're looking at the nails. The nails. Now, we might not necessarily think about nails as a gift. Anybody, uh, just curious, unless you're a carpenter, have you ever received a box of nails wrapped up for a birthday or Christmas or, I don't know, anniversary or, oh, that would probably make a really, really good um, Valentine's Day gift, right? Anybody, anybody get a box of nails? I, I, I see no hands. So it's probably not something that you and I think about when it comes to gifts, yet when we take a look at the nails of Jesus Christ, the nails on the cross, it, it certainly is a gift. But nails are used, it's really more of a solution to a problem, right? If you've got a problem, you've got maybe a piece of wood, you've got something crafted of wood that's kind of broken and falling apart, and you're going to use nails to put it back together. Sometimes people use some, some crazy glue, some super glue, but, but nails many times are used. Something that's broken and needs fixing, sometimes nails are the, the tools for the job. 
you know, if you've got two different pieces of wood or multiple pieces of wood, two things that are separated that need to be brought together, need to be joined together, very oftentimes nails are the right tool for the job. As uh, sometimes many people say, people use duct tape to fix everything. God uses nails. Uh, I've heard, uh, you've probably heard the, uh, the little phrase that, you know, if it's moving and you don't want it to move, use some duct tape. If it ain't moving and you want it to move, WD-40. So kind of that, that same type of thing. But when it comes to fixing things, or we can use all kinds of things, whether it's duct tape or crazy glue or other things. We're going to be exploring this morning, God used nails. It's, it's the gift of nails. It's a, the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, crucified on the cross to be able to fix what was, uh, well, wrong through the sin in our lives. My dad uh, did a lot of things with nails. Uh, my dad was very handy, and uh, he built his, his first house, a small house, I'm sure, but the age of 16, my dad built a full, complete functioning house. I mean, skillful and handy. What happened to me? I mean, I'm the helper for him, and so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good gopher guy. You know, that's why I was holding the ladder. Um, so, I mean, Dad could do anything. He could fix anything. He could build anything. Even into uh, the, the final number of years before he passed away at the age of 70, Dad physically built not one, but two homes virtually by himself in his decade of his 60s. Got the floor plan, and with the exception of the uh, concrete, uh, he didn't mix and pour it himself, and with the exception of the, uh, the roof trusses, I mean, my dad's strong, but he's not lifting the roof trusses by himself. Basically, with the exception of those two things, he did everything else in the house. From the framing, to the electrical, to the plumbing, you name it. And so, when you are doing a job virtually by yourself, how much wood and nails are used in a home construction? A lot of nails, right? His arm would be about to fall off. So my dad went and got one of these things, one of those pneumatic gun nailers, right? Some of you have seen those, uh, and they basically have these large clips, not bullets, but, but you buy packages of nails all kind of clipped together, glued together, and, and you load it like a, like a clip on a gun almost, and it's got a safety mechanism. And on the very edge, on that tip, it's got to be depressed. So you're putting it into wood, so you depress it, and then you pull the trigger, and it uses air. It's, it's hooked up to an air compressor, and it shoots that nail and nails it in. Now, I had helped Dad with regular hammer and nails, and I'd also helped him with some of the pneumatic gun nailer. And I will verify the pneumatic nailer gun was not only fun, it was much easier. You're, you're holding a nail, and it's tap, tap, tap to get it set, and then pound, 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 pound. I'm not quite as good as my dad. He, he could just kind of tap, 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 pound, pound, you know, two or three times, it's, it's in. So multiple, multiple, you know, 
beat, I guess you could say, with, with the hammer to, to beat that nail in. But with the nail gun, you just press down, press the trigger, psh, 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 kind of that cool little air compressor sound. And, and I helped, I remember I was helping Dad with some of the flooring. So he had the, um, uh, the floorboards, and, and we're putting the, uh, the plywood on top, and so you're just you're kind of going in rows. And it was kind of fun, he just kind of, he had all the lines drawn, psh, scoot over, psh, one particular day, Dad was doing some framing, framing in some doorways. So this was during my time in, in CBC, and so I, I helped out a, here and there a couple times on some weekends. He had another uh, little friend that was uh, maybe older than he was who'd come and stop by every so often and help out. So one day, they were putting together, they were framing in the doorway, and so Dad's holding up this piece of wood that he's about to nail, and he brings his pneumatic nail gun, and he gets ready to nail it in. It nails all right, except it misfires. It accidentally fired twice. Now, you can't take a nail gun and just, you know, spray people because that, that end has to be depressed. It hit once, but it jumped again and nailed a second time. Now, I've got a picture that looks, this isn't him, but that's basically what it looks like because dad nailed two of his fingers together. I heard about it after the fact, after he had gone to the hospital. It went right through the joints of his two fingers. So, in classic dad, low-key fashion, he turns to the man who is helping him frame and he says, I think I need to go to the hospital understatement of the of the day right so this nail gun shot through and nailed his two fingers together now that's certainly not the purpose i mean though those fingers were separate those were not what was needing to be joined together it was the the wood from this construction program dad nailed his fingers together and we, we shudder at the thought of that. But we're looking at preparing our hearts for Easter. And we pause and we remember that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was nailed to the cross. And he did so for you. And he did so for me. This form of execution, basically crucifying, nailing to a cross, was public it was gruesome. They would, they would do it and, and lead the individual down the most public streets to get the most people to see and gather around and nail hands and feet to the cross. Now you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all talk about crucifixion. Those are the words that are used. But John's gospel John chapter 20, verse 25, after Jesus had died, after he had been resurrected, he had appeared to some of the disciples, and Thomas wasn't quite buying it. So what did he say? The other disciples told him. They're speaking to Thomas. They said, we have seen the Lord. They, they said it. We saw it. And did Thomas buy it? No, that's why he's got that nickname, right? Doubting Thomas. Here's what he said. 
Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, that's where the, the spear was, I will not believe. So every gospel records crucifixion, which is nailing a criminal to the cross. As we know from Scripture, Jesus Christ had never sinned. He died in our place, but he was nailed to the cross. Thomas said, unless I see those nail prints, the nail marks. Dad's nail was a 16-penny nail, about three and a half inches. Jesus' nail might have been a little bit more like this, a handmade, probably a lot larger Nailed through hands and feet into a cross. And Thomas said, those nails were real, and I've got to be able to see the, the holes, the, the marks left behind. Because you know, when you, when you put a nail into a piece of wood, it forever alters that piece of wood. So he said, I've I got to see the results. I've got to see these effects. The nails were a, a gift of Easter. I want to direct you to Colossians chapter 2. This would be our, our main text. You can stay there throughout the remainder of our time together this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Here's what Paul writes about the crucifixion, about what took place in this process, and ties into this theme, if you would, about the gift of the nails. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. We said just a little bit ago, people use nails. It's the solution to the problem. Something's broken and you need it to be fixed, you might use nails. Things are, are separated. You want to piece them together. You want to join them together. You might use nails as the solution. Back to verse 13. It says, there's a problem we were dead because of our sins and our sinful nature. How many of you know being dead is a problem? Can't really do anything that way. We're dead in our sins. Romans says it this way. We, we've said this verse multiple times, right? Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us on the face of the earth, we've sinned. Romans 6, 23, well, it says the results of that. The wages of our sin, the results, if you would, what we earn with our sin is death. That's a problem. And it affects not just a handful of people, but every single one. Now, our sins might be a little different one to the next to the next, but every single one of us have sinned. And it doesn't take too much as we go through this day and age in life. You see this person and that person and this person and that person caught up in these charges or those charges or trying to get away with this. 
breaking the law, sinning. It doesn't matter if you're a sports hero, a politician. It doesn't matter if you're a television star. When you break the law, you've sinned. You've done wrong. And, and there's all kinds of things in God's word. You and I, man, we've messed up. So there's, a, there's a pretty big problem. We're dead because of our sins. What's the solution? Not duct tape. I mean, duct tape, don't get me wrong. Duct tape is good. I got a couple rolls in my office. Duct tape is good. Glue, yeah, glue's good. But nails. Verse 14 says, he nailed it to the cross. So the balance of our time, we're going to explore some of what God did as a result of these nails. We're going to work our way through verses 13 and 14 with some of these phrases. What did God use nails to do? We might not think nails are a really special gift. We wouldn't get real psyched up about a box of nails. But God used those nails through his son Jesus Christ to be an incredible gift for you and I. What did God use the nails to do? Some of these we'll spend a little less time on, others a little bit more. God used nails, first of all, to make us alive. It's one of the first phrases there. He said, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then, here, then the solution came. We were dead in our sins. Then, what did he do? God made you alive with Christ. He's the one who initiated this process. We were dead in our sins. We can't make ourselves undead. We can't somehow get ourselves, make ourselves alive, make ourselves right. It's God who's beginning this process. It's God who's doing the work. It's God through his son, Jesus Christ. We were hopelessly dead in sin. Every single one of us, we've sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. The wages of those sins, what we've earned as a result of our sins, the paycheck, that's we like, we like the word wages. We don't like the word death. The wages of our sin, what we've earned as a result of our life of sin, it's death. But God, through his son Jesus Christ, his death upon the cross, he made us alive. And he follows that up. He says, he made you alive with Christ. And the final phrase of verse 13 says, for he forgave all of our sins. That's the second thought. The second thing that God did with these nails is he forgave all of our sins. It's been said that when someone was crucified, the charges against them were nailed to the cross so that it was made public as to the reason for the crucifixion. Remember that that Pilate put up there king of the Jews, right? And, and they said, oh, don't write that. And he said, what I have written, I have written. So his was not a statement of his wrongs. He was not the sinner. He was not the lawbreaker. It said, king of the Jews, 
Maybe they were a murderer. Maybe they were a thief. Maybe whatever they were, their, their, their transgressions, their, their law-breaking was affixed above them, which begs the thought. I don't really want to answer this question. What if your sins, what if my sins were posted and made public for everybody to read? We know some of those, by some people, sometimes they get exposed and caught. I mean, every day, seemingly, somebody's breaking the law, right? Even when you try to get your kids into college. And you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get them in on a sports scholarship that they don't even play. At some point, it comes out. And now what happens? I mean, it's public, and everybody's reading about what you did, allegedly did. Right? Oh, the, the heartache and the turmoil and the embarrassment and everybody, everybody's talking, right? Can you imagine if, uh, if there is a, a press release along the lines of the college scandal? If, you know, on every news station, on every entertainment channel, on every newspaper, every website... It lists us along with our sins. Because you know that we've sinned, right? We've confirmed that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. And as much as if you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian, my goal, my desire is to honor and to serve God, does that mean I have been perfect and spotless and sinless since the age of six when I gave my life as a little boy to Jesus? Any guesses at the yes or no that little Marky or big Marky has sinned in the last almost 40 years? To guarantee on the yes, unfortunately. Whether it's sin, whether it's disappointments, whether it's stuff we ought not to do, what if everybody knew? Even, even when we try not to do stuff, we do. Paul says, you know, the, the good that I want to do, many times I don't. And then the stuff I don't want to do, I end up doing. You ever done something you didn't want to, you're trying not to, and you ended up doing it anyway? I did one on the way into church today. I'm driving down County Road 80. About 6.30 or 7, getting here early. It's kind of dark. There's a little bunny rabbit on the side of the road. And he hopped his way into the middle of my, my lane, which there's not two big lanes on County Road 80 here. So I slow down, and I kind of swerve one way, and I swerve the other, and he hops one way, and he hops the other, and I slow down even more. And there's the dreaded thump thump. Oh. Chuck stopped and picked him up on the way I, I anticipate. 
You passed it. That was me. So you can put a press release on all the news channels, on every website, on Facebook and beyond, Pastor Mark Bunny Killer. But imagine if every single sin of every single individual was made public like that. And what Scripture says and, and what Paul writes is that he forgave all of my sins. There's penalties and there's punishments as a result of sin. Some of these individuals caught up in the, in the college scandal, I mean, they've got half a million to a million dollar bail just laying around. And they're going to go through the due process of law. But there, there's consequences when individuals are caught breaking the law. There's consequences. When you and I sin, man, there's consequences. The wages, what we earn, the results of our sin is death. What's forgiveness? Forgiveness is release from the liability of penalty or punishment for wrongdoing. Forgiveness is a decision not to hold an offense against someone. When you forgive somebody, what are you saying? I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to remove the offense. You offended me. I'm releasing. I'm removing that. I'm relinquishing that. It's a choice not to count it against them. Sometimes people say, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. What we're, what we're doing, we're still holding it against someone. We say, I forgive you. We say we're good, but in the back of our minds, it's still chalked up on the scoreboard. True forgiveness, it's wiping that slate clean. We've been forgiven of our trespasses we've been forgiven of our sins we've been released from any penalty or punishment and it wasn't just a handful of sins right it, it wasn't just the obvious sins because when it comes to sin we, we tend to be a little selective i didn't do what this person did so i'm good but then we keep quiet as to the sins that we have taken part in. I haven't done what they did. Oh, bad. That person's bad. That pastor's bad. That politician's bad. That sports star's bad. All these individuals can't believe what they did. But then we hush, hush the sins that we've committed. It's not just that he's forgiven the quote-unquote big sins. It's not just that he's forgiven the, the well-known sins. He's forgiven all of our sins. Verse 13, he forgave all of our sins. We struggle many times at forgiving all of one another's shortcomings. Some, sometimes it's too personal, it's too deep, it, it cuts or hurts too much, and we say, I'm not sure if I can, or give me some time, or we say, I forgive but not forget. God used nails to make us alive through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. God used nails to forgive us of all of our sins. 
not just a few, every single one that we've done. Thirdly, this morning, God used nails to cancel our debts. Verse 14, he said, he canceled the record of the charges against us. Other versions or translations would would talk about canceling debts. A lot of different imagery and words, but he took what was owed and canceled it. This record of debt is literally something written with a hand or an autograph. The certificate of indebtedness was handwritten by a debtor acknowledging debt. Paul saying there was a debt. You and I with our sin, we had a debt. Not only was it forgiven, it was canceled. It was done away with. We've got a pretty huge IOU, an enormous debt, to try to think about paying for our sins. It's pretty huge. I mean, we know how to pay off debts because we're often pretty good at getting into them. Go to college, buy a car new or used buy a house, buy some clothes, buy, buy whatever, and many times we don't have enough money, and so we'll do what? We either put it on a credit card in which we're signing an agreement saying, I'm going to pay you, and for the privilege of you giving money I don't have, I pledge, I commit to give you extra interest. If we go get a loan from a bank, We're signing a piece of paper that says, I don't have the money to pay for this car or for this house or or whatever this this large item is. You're you're, you're giving me the money, you're lending me the money, and I'm guaranteeing, I'm pledging, I'm signing my name that I'm going to pay it off. Well, how do you pay it off? Well, you you either pay back what you owe or you, you pay a penalty for what you can't pay. But nobody that I'm aware of walks around buying a a car that they can't afford or a house that they can't afford and they get in trouble and then they come to the bank and go, oops, you're going to love this story, bank officer. I don't have the money, so just let me keep the car. And the bank turns around and says, ah, don't worry about it. The bank says, let me pull out our paperwork and see what it says. One way or another, you will pay. You'll pay the agreed upon amount where you pay monthly or yearly or whatever that is, or you're going to pay some garnishment of wages. Maybe they send repo guy after you. Maybe they boot you out of the house. I mean, all kinds of things. Maybe you're, you're locked away and, and some form of punishment or penalty is assessed. I mean, you're going to pay the price for this debt. Well, how big is our debt? I mean, you know, I didn't do what some of these other people did. You're seeing the news and... Mentioned it already a couple times, the, the big college scandal, people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for the privilege of getting into university to pay several hundreds of thousands of more dollars. And you say, well, I never did that. 
I never cheated to get into college. I never spent $500,000 to cheat. Let me ask you a question. Did you cheat for free? Ever cheated for free? In other words, have you ever cheated on anything? Taxes, school, etc.? We say, well, I didn't do what they did, so my, my debt must not be as big as them. I didn't spend $500,000 trying to get my kid into school. I didn't cheat like that. Well, how did you cheat? Read through God's word. There's a lot of things that we've not done that we should or done that we shouldn't have, right? Our debt has grown astronomically. Every act of disobedience continues to pile up our sins and pile up our debt. What's he called us to do? We see we've got a, a pretty large debt. It reminds me about a newspaper article. This is in one of the uh, God's Word for Today uh, devotionals. Newspaper article reported that a Utah businessman filed for bankruptcy and declared his debts, I don't know how, I'm not sure if it's a typo, $613 billion. I don't know what in the world he was a part of. Seems ridiculous. What's more, he claimed assets. He claimed to have something. What did he claim? He claimed he had 7310 bucks. So in other words, if he honored all of his debts, he took every penny of his assets and put it towards his debts, his creditors would receive one millionth of a cent on the dollar. I mean, we're not talking 50 cents on the dollar, like you're getting paid half of what you are owed. You've heard the phrase pennies on a dollar, right? As if you're just barely paying anything. This is a millionth of a penny for every dollar owed. To me, that's a little bit closer to probably what I owe. What I owe God for my sin. I've sinned and I've fallen short of the glory of God. I, I can do all kinds of good things, but I can't earn my way. I can't pay my way to get rid of these sins. Not only did he forgive us, he canceled the debts. There's no way this man could begin to work off those debts. Where do you begin? That's mind-boggling. Even, let's just say, I mean, this is what I'm thinking as I'm reading that. Let's say he messed up with a, a couple of his decimal points, right? Instead of 613 billion, move the decimal point, let's say it's only 61 billion. Does that make it any easier? Move that decimal point over again. It's only 6.1 billion. Does that make it any easier? Oh, okay, let's move it over again. 0.6 billion. Oh, now, now we're easy. Pure 600 million, right? Piece of cake. No, move the decimal point over again. 60 million, move it over again. 6 million. How far do you got to go before you feel like you could make the payment on this debt? That's really 
what it comes to for you and I. As we're preparing our hearts for Easter, we're reminded of the fact we've sinned, we've fallen short, we've got a huge debt to pay. God, through the power of his son, Jesus Christ, allowing him to be nailed to the cross for you and I, he made us alive, he forgave not some, but all of our sins, and he didn't just forgive, he's not holding it against us. He didn't say, I forgive you, but you can pay me back later. He canceled the debts. He canceled the debts. The situation seems hopeless. The situation seems like we'll never be able to earn it ourselves. And you're right. We can't earn it. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven. The debt has been canceled. And the third stanza of that well-known hymn from many years ago, Horatio Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul. Third verse reads like this. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, our sin is forgiven. Our debt has been canceled. It's nailed to the cross. And one of those last phrases in verse 14 says, he took it away. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. That act of atonement, what he did through his son, Jesus Christ, he didn't just make us alive. He didn't just forgive us. He didn't just cancel our sins. He completely removed it. He took it all away. How? Because of these. Nailing it to the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. So we started the Message we started tonight, uh, this, tonight, we started this morning saying sometimes things are broken and they need to be fixed. We said sometimes things are separated and, and they need to be joined together. You and I, living a broken life, engulfed in sin, And through the nails, through the cross, and his son Jesus Christ, he fixed what was broken, providing salvation and forgiveness for you and for me. Two things that were separated that ought to be brought and joined together, God and us. He desires that we would be with him. As we sung early, he is holy, holy, holy God. And he provided the way, his son, Jesus Christ, able to join and to unite us together. So yes, some people use duct tape and some people use crazy glue and some people use all kinds of other things. But when it comes to us and our sins, God did use nails as the right tool for the job. 